0: Now it's time for Inspirational Women, and my guest, Deborah Santana, an author, seeker, and activist for peace and social justice. She is founder of Do A Little, a nonprofit that serves women and girls in the areas of health, education, and happiness. She's penned a memoir, Space Between the Stars, and is with us this morning to share some insights into a magnificent collection of stories in the anthology, all the women in my family sing. It is a gift to have Deborah with us this morning to share some insights. Deborah Santana, good morning and thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Good morning. Thank you. I am just so looking forward to sharing this amazing book. All the women in my family sing with all of our listeners. And I want to begin with your last sentence in the foreword. It is my sincere hope that the sonorous melodies of these women transport each reader to a world of inclusion and understanding. That is in itself, those words are so powerful. And of course, that's my desire. And I wonder, have you been getting response already that really underscores that for you?
1: Oh, absolutely. People have been so moved by these personal essays, these stories that are not often heard in the world. Um, women of color telling their stories in their own voices and as you know the 69 authors are as different as can be and all of the subjects the experiences they've had in their lives are so rich and they enrich our world.
0: Absolutely. That cannot be underscored sufficiently. I've only just bounced around from stories back and forth and all over the place in between. And they are, they just really reach into the heart. The, I can't even really impress, stress uh, strongly enough, just how critically important they are for all of us to read and really essentially take to heart. Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: So in gathering these stories, I'm sure you had many more that you chose from, and you had to uh, wean those out, didn't you?
1: Yes. Three years ago, we sent out a call for submissions of what it means to be a woman of color in the world today. And we received over 300 submissions. And I had two very excellent professors and women who read so much, helped me to cull through those. And we had a wonderful circle of conversation and what do we need to highlight? And why is this essay perhaps more significant than that essay? And it was a wonderful process and I feel so grateful that we were able to bring these 69 voices into this anthology.
0: Did you ever feel though you wanted to have all 300? (laughs)
1: Well, I knew we couldn't, but also the themes, we had to somehow from this sort of crater in the earth that we created by asking for these women to send us topics and personal experiences, we had to form some sort of roadmap. And so there was a certain way that Certain themes just started matching and certain voices came together so that we were able to have these voices on equality, justice, and freedom.
0: And those are just underlying and they weave through all of the stories, stories that maybe we think we have a sense of, but really until we read them and, and experience it firsthand from that person's personal experience, I don't think we can really totally grasp the things that go on for these women of color, for all women of color, really.
1: Yes. And I think one of the first themes, and in the book, we have the first section is editing identity. The second section is at home in the world. The third is trailblazers, hellraisers, and stargazers, which is about career and work. And then we have with liberty and justice for all, which is the struggle for social justice and equality. And then we have in a family way, which is about family and friendship. And then we have but beautiful, which is the beauty myth. And then we have the cure for what ails you, which is transcending illness and trauma. And the last subject category is a woman's journey is never done. And that's about traveling far, wide and deep. So it was just amazing to have the women who helped me in the beginning to pull these subjects together and then to have the authors themes and their stories fit into these categories. And for those people who have not yet read the book, they can go to allthewomeninmyfamilything.com and they can see all of the media. They can see each author and her photo and her bio they can see all of the events they can see our call to action which is actually to read more books by women of color so we have a whole list on our website of books that are written by women of color because there is a dearth of information about these authors and our list is so rich and ever-expanding
0: And in fact, uh, I've heard this before, and then I came across it in one of the stories that I read, where that goal was just to read a certain genre, this would be the genre, reading works by women of color for an entire year.
1: Yes, I have heard people have done that. And the reason we started, another reason we started the project was because of the publishing industry. So we also have, on our call to action page, we show the statistics of people of color who work in publishing. So in the overall industry, 79% identify as white. In the editorial departments, 82% identify as white. So their purview is not always going to be looking for voices of people of color or women of color because they have not had the lens in their own lives to see how rich these stories are, and even to see that these stories matter. We've all been held back in our education about humanity.
0: And so it's kind of a double prong here. Rather than necessarily try to be penetrating those particular publishing agencies, here is nothing but the truth publishing. So why not then create one's own publishing company?
1: Yes. And so that's my friend, Chris Bronstein. She created Nothing But the Truth five years ago, and it was to publish only women. And so she published a few anthologies, some memoirs and some self-help books. And then when she started reading these statistics, she came to me and said, I need to publish a book All about women of color by women of color and I can't do it because I'm not a woman of color. So will you come on and be the editor and my co-publisher? And I said, of course. <laughs> I didn't realize the magnitude of that. I'm an author and a filmmaker and you know, I have my own nonprofit. But publishing, even though I have published a memoir, <laughs> I did not understand how difficult publishing is. You hold the bottom line for everything. So we, it was such an honor to pull this together and find the graphic designer, as a woman of color, the amazing artist, Fabiana Rodriguez, whose artwork graces our cover, and that artwork was originally a mural in downtown San Francisco at the Yerba Buena Center, and I actually saw it on Instagram and asked permission to use it. So what an amazing journey this has been, pulling together the editors and the writers and the readers and um, all of the people who made this
0: book a success. And what's interesting as you describe that, Deborah, I think about all the experience that you've had, all the involvement, your amazing career, and yet that this was just such a huge new experience for you that you had had no idea what it would entail.
1: Yes. Well, you know, one of my main philosophies of life is to continue growing. I constantly try to expand my vocabulary. I try to learn new things every day. I want to be a different person today than I was yesterday. So taking this on, even though I didn't really understand the magnitude of the work, which pretty much was 24 hours a day for three years, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, I am so grateful, not only because of what I learned, but these 69 women and the other women who were in the editorial departments and in the Publishing who I met and supporting this book have now become my sister friends. And I now have a whole new family, a whole new um, community of really, truly activist, significant women who I will always cherish.
0: And there's an important piece of it, just as you mentioned that, Deborah. What is so critically important here is to know these 69 women are so involved in the communities, in our country, at a time when we really need this kind of leadership and this kind of energy, so we can tap into it wherever we're at.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, Kate, it's so important for us to listen to stories and for people to tell their stories. And I feel that in the larger world, the world of the media and the world of, uh, definitely in the United States, we can completely become caught up in divisiveness. We can become an us and them society. We can become so highly critical of what's not working that we don't take the time to sit down and listen to another person's life story. And that has always been interesting to me. I, uh, I tell people I'm an eavesdropper. If I'm in a restaurant and I hear someone telling a story, my ears immediately tune to that because I feel humanity in everyone's story. And I don't know if it's because how I was raised. Um, my parents you know, took my sister and me to church, and we learned early on that Everyone deserves to be heard. Everyone deserves to be loved. And it's our job to help other people. But I think that if we can listen to another person's story, we can find compassion and oneness. And then we aren't so pulled apart saying, but you're not like me. Well, we're not all supposed to be alike. But we are, I think, brought here, as His Holiness the Dalai Lama says, you know, we're brought here to all be happy, to find happiness. And we can't do that if we don't have compassion for each other.
0: Yes. Can't underscore that sufficiently. And, and it is these stories then. It's so easy to see as we read the experiences of these different women to find that heart, to find that compassion and find a way that we either really uh, identify a lot or a little or we just find that's an area I need to grow
1: Yes. And I I want to say that we only have two stories by Native American women in the anthology, and I wish that we had many, many more. But I want to draw a little bit of attention to Eliana Ramage's story, Indian Territory. And it's such a beautiful essay, and she talks about um, where she's from, where her family's from, and how they've grown through this whole issue of Native peoples being pretty much um, just decimated by the American society but she talks about the, her, their history isn't in the past the history is alive today and she if any of you become an astronaut someone told her that's part of the story of your nation so she talks about her cousin who went to teach English in Namibia. She talks about her family and taking their older brother to college, and she ends her essay at Standing Rock. So it's so completely current and important. And she talks about what she felt there and how people work together. And she says, I knew Navajo tea and thick paper cups and mittened fists in the air. Pressing my weight down on the flat edge edge of a chef's knife like a Cree woman taught me, crushing garlic into soup for 200, a cold wind tearing at my forehead, but my shoulders wrapped in a thick blanket, my legs stepping slow to the side, laughing in circles with mesquacky girls at the round dance. I mean, her words make Standing Rock come alive, and that was such an important part of the history of our country. And it has now almost been forgotten and another decimation of a Native American community. So it's so these people who write these stories, talking about growing up in the South in Clansville, USA, or talking about um, growing up as a loving punk rock, even though a young Chinese American girl, loved and played the violin, but she loved punk rock. It's just showing all these sides of women of color, sides that may surprise people and may just give us joy.
0: And such important insights. One of the earlier stories I read that I feel many of us can learn so much from uh, because we need more education about transgender. Yes. But reading the story really... It's it's just so completely, um, gives such complete understanding. It is really powerful, then, all of these stories in that way.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, that's Mila Jam's story. And Mila Jam is a well-known, well-renowned um, singer and dancer and lives in New York. And she actually was at our reading in New York City uh, early this year. And so her story, Home, A Transgender Journey, is so important. And she tells how, like most girls, she wanted a fairy tale life. She wanted to be a princess who was rescued by a prince. But she was a girl born in a male body. And she learned to rescue herself. Instead of conforming, she made a choice to own the woman she knew she was meant to be and to guide her family along the way. And you're right, that's very powerful because she shows us how she had to be strong and lead her family to love her in her transformation.
0: And she articulates it so beautifully so that, you know, if there are questions in our heads and our hearts to try and understand, by reading this story, reading such stories brings us to a, a better understanding.
1: Yes, and then there, you know, there are stories here that I was really surprised when I read. There's um, Emma Talbot, whose story, The Gift of Hair, The Gift of Joy, and she talks about how she had something wrong with her hair, and she went to her hairdresser, and, and it was resolved, and then she heard about locks of love. So she began growing her hair out. It took three years. And then she gave her hair to this nonprofit, Locks of Love, to help girls, African-American girls, who were going through cancer or something and would not have a wig that matched their hairstyle. And it's such a simple story, but how profound that she did this twice. So for three years, she grew her hair and then she gave it, had it cut off and gave it away. And then she did it again and she ends her essay saying I think I might do it again. <laughs> so, you know, that sacrifice and love, it's not just the stories are not all political. A lot of them are about love and healing.
0: And and family. What comes yes. to mind is there's numerous stories about adoption. Wonderful yes. to adopt. Yes. And and we then understand how what is really such a loving gesture though can be such a challenge and i th- i think of the young korean children the young korean girls who were adopted yeah. and yeah. yes <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> oh, well it's just such a an insight to um see how they f- feel and uh the, the kind of challenges and the, what pulls them back and forth and the awareness that that comes I, I mean we adoption is important and necessary but I think it helps us to understand and how to just be careful uh be more compassionate in how we might ask questions like such as where are you from? I'm from Minneapolis. No, where are you really from? That kind of thing.
1: <laughs> yes. And um, that story is so wonderful. That's Invisibility by Nikki Abramson. And it's she is so beautiful the way she talks about going to Korean adoptee events. I mean, who even knew there was such a thing, right? right. And how her parents who were white, tried so hard to bring her culture in, even though they brought her from Korea into our culture. But she identifies with American culture because that's what she knows. And so when people ask her all these questions, she says, well, no, I don't eat Korean food. No, I haven't been to Korea. This is my reality as a woman of color. These are battles I fight every day because I can't remove the fact that my skin and facial features are Korean and I don't resemble the majority of people living where we live. So she has oh, it's such a charming, charming essay. I just love her so much.
0: I am <laughs> all of them are, are so lovable. When, when there are those gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching stories and experiences, when we think about the Native women and, and what they've encountered, uh, there, there's been so much pain that this anthology is so critically important. All the women in my family sing. Uh, you know, using that metaphor of song as well for story, I think is, is so powerful.
1: Well, that title came to me many years ago. After I published my memoir in 2005, Space Between the Stars, I started writing a second memoir. And I was writing and rewriting. And I one night I had a dream um, that the title came to me, All the Women My Family Sing. Because in my second memoir, I was going to talk about my mother, my Irish-English heritage, how she grew up picking cotton, and talk about the women in my family. And then I decided I really didn't want to publish a second memoir, I just felt that I had talked enough about myself in my first memoir, and I just put the title away. And then when I started working on the anthology, I realized that all these women are my family. Actually, we are all family. And yes, their voices are singing their stories. So the title, which I had put away so many years ago, was perfect for this anthology
0: definitely. Uh, because it it just has that total essence about all of it. And then, you know with with these sixty nine voices that are here in this chorus and this massive choir, they also are all ages, which again, I think speaks so well to all of us. We can just relate to so many of them,
1: yes. and I'm really happy about that because. The the young voices are really powerful, and Igochi um, Igonu, who writes about, and she is a young African girl, but she was raised in America, and she talks about people looking at her, and she talks about poverty porn, and how you know co- our culture tries to make oh poor Africa, and she's really powerful in her voice, and then we have. An elder who I love and admire so much. We have Marion Wright Edelman, who talks about her heroes, Harriet Tubman, and she talks about the tireless, indispensable. And of course, she has such wisdom and working in the world. And she has been, um, she's the founder and president of the Children's Defense Fund and has been an advocate for this disadvantaged Americans her entire professional life. Um, a graduate of Yale Law School, and all of her accomplishments. And yet she has this beautiful essay that she gave us about the pair of medallions around her neck with the portraits of two of her role models, Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth. And then she begins to tell us about her heroes. So from the elder voice to the younger voices, and we have this amazing breadth of experience and of wisdom. And the younger voices are as wise as the elders. So you're right, it's It's a great honor to have these this range of age.
0: And then encouragement. Uh, it's very possible as a young person, a young woman of color, to feel, what do I know? You know, to maybe feel like I need to hold, uh, that she needs to hold her voice back. And this, I think, is encouragement and offers so much hope.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I talk about is that our anthology's purpose is to bring healing to our world, to open dialogue between people who have not spoken to someone different than them, and to create solidarity between those who have suffered racism, exclusion, abuse, or marginalization. It is time for a book that was created completely by women of color to be in the hands of all people so they may be inspired and changed. We want healing, not division.
0: And that, we need to remember, is so much more powerful. That love and hope is more powerful than the tearing apart.
1: Oh, absolutely. It would, You know, war has been going on since the beginning of time, and we can't really stop it. People do live on a level of consciousness where they do want to harm other people that are different than them. But those of us who know that love is truly the answer and it's really the essence from which we were all created by a divine entity, um, we have to continue to tell those stories because separation and hate are not going to bring any healing. And in fact, I guess it's really important that we have compassion for those people who don't yet know that.
0: Yes, that in itself is such a powerful tool, if you will, right, that mm-hmm. is going to really make so much um, more inroads than, than any kind of negative action. Yeah. So this book, it's such important reading and awareness. All the women in my family sing. So, of course, there's various ways to get it, but there is a website by this name. Yeah.
1: Yes, allthewomenandmyfamilything.com, and the book can be purchased there. Um, on that page, you can link to IndieBound, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Powell's. You can choose the bookstore you want to purchase it from. And you can see so much that's happened since we published the book in Janu- January 30th of this year. We've been on a wonderful, wonderful journey of telling these stories, and standing in the truth of each contributor's life. And we also want to remind people the call to action. Please, please, please read books by women of color.
0: Yes, absolutely. They are around. Of course, you can reference them from the website. And um, also, there is the website for the publishing. Um,
1: Oh, for Nothing But The Truth? Yes. Yes. Nothing But The Truth actually does have a website also. And actually, if you go onto our website, I think you can find Nothing But The Truth through it.
0: So with either website, more titles. You can search them out there. Um, I suppose also we could recommend go to your public library and ask. They're certainly willing and very uh, able to find all of those titles for you.
1: Yes, and if you go on the blog page of our website, you'll see the beautiful, beautiful interviews with each of the authors, their photo, and then you'll, besides their essay now, you can go in and you can actually read an interview with them. So it's really beautiful, and you can read what inspired them to write their essay, what are the things they're going through in their own lives, and their own leadership, and what they hope readers will take away from the book.
0: So, you know, it's one of those things, we start unraveling that thread, and it'll lead us to the next step, and the next book, and the next Mm -hmm. author, and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I am just so thrilled, really, that we've had this opportunity, Deborah Santana, to uh, at least touch on some of the stories, some of the work, some of the history behind this really important, important, powerful book that each of us needs to pick up and have our own copy of. And it could get dog-eared, and that'll be great, and pass it on to someone else, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so very much for your time, for this conversation, and for spreading the word about all the women in my family.
0: It's the very least I can do, and I'm just excited for what we can all do together.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Kate.
0: And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Deborah Santana and Sunday Morning Magazine with Dr. Rosemary Peterson and Joe Farrington. Click on the on-air tab, then Sunday mornings, then look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of good health, both of your physical heart and of your spirit, emotional heart. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 1069, the station to pick you up and make you feel good. Good morning.